the mind that brings us to practice, brings us to the meditation cushion or bench or chair, uh, brings us to Sunday program, brings us to any other sort of uh, spiritual practice, is itself the enlightened mind. The part of us that gets us here is already awake. Our job is to notice that and nourish that. Each time we bring the mind back to here, we nourish that. We nourish awakening itself. This is called the Bodhi mind, B-O-D-H-I. the enlightened mind or the mind that seeks awakening. Again, same mind. And it's our job to nourish this in ourselves and to nourish it in others. Part of us knows that awakening is important. Even if we don't put those particular words on it, part of us knows something is important. And there are many parts of us. And so in Buddhist practice, we've also identified hindrances to awakening. difficulties that appear in the mind. Parts of us sometimes that want to pull us in a different direction, in a way that's not so conducive to waking up. In the Buddha's awakening story, he sits down and says, I'm going to sit here 
I'm not even gonna move. I'm gonna sit here until I'm awake. To my heart's satisfaction. This is, you know, this is a story. It's a story or a snapshot here we have of great determination, which is one of the requisites for awakening. So please don't try to not leave your seat tonight because that won't work with our rental agreement and such. <laughs> but there's a spirit that says, I'm going to stick with this even though I know that there will be difficulties. And in fact, as soon as we give rise to great determination in ourselves, guess what? All of these so-called obstacles come forward with even greater strength then we may have seen them before, greater quantity. They respond. And so in the Buddha story, uh, it tends to be told, the statement is made, I'm committed, let's do this. And then uh, Mara, which in this case is the Buddhist uh, name for the devil, Mara comes forward in all the devil's many forms and tries to get the Buddha to say, ah, never mind. <laughs> tries to knock the Buddha off, off the seat. So I want to talk tonight about five hindrances and also three poisons. And you'll hear there's, there's lots of overlap here. Because whether there's three or five or it's ten armies of Mara, all these lists, all these ways of dividing things up, right? Um, it's good to explore a little bit the territory, what can come up in meditation and um, threaten to knock us off our seat. Mm. Sometimes it's called the diamond seat. Diamond, D-I-A-M-O-N-D. There's like a diamond here. Shape. It's drawn energetically too. And the belly unmovable. Or we say sit like a mountain. Unmovable. 
And the three poisons in Buddhism are um, greed, aversion, and ignorance. The five hindrances include sensual desire, which we might put subtly in the greed category. Anything where it's, I want this to come towards me. So Mara supposedly appeared to the Buddha as um, dancing women. Never been enticing to me, but I guess this was supposed to, you know, get the Buddha's greed mind or something. Uh, aversion is also one of the five hindrances, so one of the three poisons, and more than one of the five hindrances, but we'll get there. Now I want this away from me. The painful sensations, for instance. And then ignorance in the context of the three poisons simply means ignorance of who we really are. And we're always bigger than we think. Or the picture, us too, the picture is bigger than we think. Much, much bigger than we think. So there's always ignorance. And being aware of that is the first step. Having a commitment to keep turning back towards and nourishing the Bodhi mind in ourselves and others is how we meet the reality of ignorance. Five hindrances uh, can, one way to remember them is with the acronym DARTS, D-A-R-T-S. And there are other ways of remembering them. So D, let's say, stands for uh, sensual desire, so D for desire. A for aversion, and anger's on that spectrum, but aversion is includes more than that, more subtle forms too. R is restlessness. T is torpor, means drowsiness, sluggishness. Sometimes we say sloth and torpor, but it's the T here. And then S is skeptical doubt. So you could switch the D and the S and say doubt up at the D and sensual desire down at the S, either way. Mm -hmm. Skeptical doubt is doubt in oneself. So Mara 
is said to have appeared to the Buddha as a kind of inner critic. Like, who do you think you are? You can't do this. And as we all know, can sometimes be much stronger than that. You're not going to awaken. Maybe some of these other people, but not you. So doubt in ourselves. Um, sometimes that doubt gets projected outward onto the community. You know, maybe I could with another community or another teacher, but these people, eh, that kind of doubt. Um, or sometimes doubt in the method itself, That's that can be pretty common. And we're going into a long retreat, some of us starting Wednesday. Um, long retreats always include ups and downs. So times on the cushion when this doubt can get pretty strong. Oh, I've been sitting for X number of days, all day. Nothing's happened. This is bogus. I tried it. So one of the reasons to study the five hindrances a little, or at least by going over them, is so that when these things come up, because they will, they're part of the human experience, especially on the path. <laughs> um, we, number one, recognize them, and then maybe have some ideas about how to work with them. Is there are teachings about how to work with each of these, lots and lots of teachings. Um, one book that I return to frequently uh, is this one called In This Very Life by Sayada Upandita. Um, tra the tradition's a bit different than the one I trained in. However, he goes into detail. Oh, so you're drowsy. Try this, try this, try this, try this, try this. And the Buddha said this. So I find it to be a good uh, reference book for me. Um, So let's talk about some of the hindrances. I will start with the hindrance of drowsiness or sloth and torpor. It's one that I've experienced a lot personally. It can be very frustrating. You go to the cushion to wake up and you're about the opposite of up. Um, so can, for some of us, bring up, a, again, a lot of inner critic. Watch for that in practice. Um, you know, that inner critical voice is trying to be helpful, it's trying to protect us.
but um, it can really be about the opposite of helpful. Mm -hmm. It's really, in general, one of those voices to see as part of Mara's army. This language that's sometimes used, the armies of Mara. Mm -hmm. And to say, oh, that's an interesting perspective. Thank you for sharing. Back to the breath. So when drowsiness comes up, there's a number of things to try. Um, At the foundation, I would say, is the real intention to be awake. The technique comes after that. So most of the things on the list, as it were, are things that are going to come forward spontaneously if you're drowsy and you're trying to stay awake. Opening the eyes wider, looking at a light source, breathing more deeply, energetically rousing energy, circulating energy. My teacher did one where she um, deliberately breathed in segments. Except not out loud. You can actually do that pretty quietly. And to try to get the energy flowing. The um, antidote, you know, when I consult my handy dandy book, the given antidote is to increase the factor of mind that I'm going to translate as aiming. This means the attention, intention to be mindful of, be present with a particular phenomenon or thing. So if I'm following my breath, I'm aiming the mind for the breath. I'm trying to, in my aim, actually hit my object, i.e. actually follow the breath, even for a little bit. That aim, that quality of intention, goes together really closely with what's sometimes spoken of as a whole other quality of mind, um, which I'll translate here as staying. 
So I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to follow the breath. Okay, it's actually happening. Now I'm staying with it. And actually all of the classic antidotes um, on the surface seem so simple like this, but they're not uh, shallow in any way. If drowsiness is present and I can find a way to increase this aiming, this intention, the drowsiness does subside. The drowsiness does subside. And I have to work with it and figure it out. But if I can find a way to turn up that intention, that's what's being called for. That's what's being called for. So drowsiness arises and it's asking for something from me, from my practice. One further suggestion here was to, um, as a way of turning up this intention in the context of sitting on the meditation seat, um, is to increase the number of objects of meditation. So that means if I'm following my breath, I can say, yeah, I'm going to follow my breath. I'm going to say, I'm going to watch the breath all the way through the inhalation. I'm going to watch the turning of the breath all the way through the exhalation. Or um, Sayada Upanditas suggested going even another step or three here. He suggested noticing um, rising of the abdomen or chest or both, falling. And then he suggested adding sitting, just noticing the whole body sitting for like this long, and then moving on to touching, which he clarified means picking one or more, he said up to six or so if you really need the extra objects, one or more points of contact. So like I might pick the places where it's easiest to feel sensation, points of contact, like I might pick here between my knee and the Zabuton. I might pick a couple of points on my bottom, you know, where they touch the cushion. Maybe there's something on the other leg. And just for touching, and you know, to touch the mind to all of those points. Or check in, okay, I'm feeling all those points or check in with all those points even if no sensation is felt. 
Essentially, we're keeping the mind busy. Increasing that intention. One way to relieve drowsiness. And briefly, just because I wanted to make sure to mention it tonight, um, and sometimes frustratingly for me, because I've also encountered a lot of skeptical doubt, the classic antidote for that is to stick with the practice, is to just keep going. Just keep going and also do some of that. Um, the specific factor is that staying with. So I'm aiming and then I'm kind of sticking the mind to, or sometimes it's translated rubbing, because there's contact of the mind with the object of meditation. I'm right with the breath all the way through. And then next breath. And as with any practice, any engagement, um, we do this. And the important thing is to have intention and to keep strengthening that um, and not be judging ourselves about it. The mind's going to wander. We just bring it back. Yeah, but it wanders a lot. Just bring it back. Yeah, but it wanders more. No, no. (laughs) Just, just bring it back. Yeah. Because thinking we're um, you know, sometimes we think of having a big ego as just thinking, oh, we're better at this than other people. But thinking we're worse at this than other people, it's the just the other side of the same ego coin, so to speak. We're just, here we are. Our karma's our karma, and what's right in front of us to do is ours to do, so let's get with it. Thank you very much for being here. We'll do the Heart Sutra chant, which is on the chant card.